Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about physical, and then we're going to do a short study on spiritual, and then we'll get into the book of Acts. If you're new or visiting, we are going through the book of Acts. Washington State Coronavirus Survivors Advice. Don't panic. Take proper precautions. Elizabeth Schneider talks about what it was like to be infected with coronavirus. Seattle resident Elizabeth found out recently she had come down with the coronavirus after sending a test sample out for analysis. Schneider told a reporter that in late February she began feeling ill after attending a party with some friends. Her temperature spiked to 103 degrees, though she did not feel the respiratory symptoms many associate with the virus. Schneider told the reporter that the virus is concerning because it is a novelty and lack of cure, but that many Americans who are stricken with it should turn out fine as she has. In quotes, I think my biggest message to take home for everyone is to please don't panic, she said. Yes, this is a virus that is relatively new to the scene in terms of infections in humans, but if you are like myself and are very young and if you don't have any underlying health conditions, you should have milder symptoms and you should be able to come out the other side. I'm living proof of that. Schneider said people who suspect they have or have been diagnosed with the virus should isolate themselves and stay at home. In quotes, there are people in our community that are getting very severe symptoms from this virus and they, should, and they, could, threaten, and they could threaten their life. She said, but I would like to tell everyone, please don't panic. Schneider said that by the time the test confirmed she had the virus on March 7th, she had already mostly recovered and noted she felt fine was speaking with the reporter late Friday. In quotes, I had all the typical symptoms that you would expect from a nasty flu. I had body aches. I had fatigue. I had a headache. I was very tired. I did have a nauseousness one day, she said, but I honestly didn't suspect that it was the coronavirus. So, here are some current stats based on facts and not feelings. Uh, There are a lot of numbers being put out there in the media that are not based on facts, but feelings. And it's raising hysteria, like we're seeing in stores. The following stats are the most recent, according to the data from John Hopkins University, which is very reputable. Global cases, more than 147,000. Global deaths, at least 5,539. The normal flu, global deaths from the normal flu, every year, 300,000 to 600,000 per year of global deaths. So facts, right now, we're at 5,539. U.S. cases, current, there's at least 2,174 cases. As far as deaths, I think this morning I looked at it, I think it's at 54, 53, 54 deaths. On average, per year in the United States alone, there's 56,000 people that die of the flu or flu-like illnesses. 56,000 on average. I find it very interesting that basically the whole world is going on lockdown over this virus situation. Matter of fact, this morning, Nike said they're going to close all their stores globally. Do people congregate in Nike stores? I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of scratching my head going, this is way bigger than the physical realm, which I'm going to get into here. 
You know, think about that. The whole world is basically going on like lockdown over this virus. All of America is going on lockdown. Or could this be a cause for a global economic collapse? I mentioned this last week. I'm not into conspiracies. Don't, don't come up and give me all your YouTube things. I don't do that. I just believe in the Bible. But we just want to look at this factually. Could this be a setup for a global, global economic collapse? Or is this a trial run of the bigger things to come? What do I mean by that? Well, we just looked at the physical world, but what could be happening in the spiritual world? I had to, a, a conversation this past week. Did the disciples want Jesus to go to the cross? Yes or no? No. No, they wanted to fulfill their own agendas. Even on the night before the last Passover, they were still arguing who's the greatest in the kingdom. Uh, Jesus is going to die tomorrow, guys? Hello? Human nature. Do believers today really want Jesus to return for his bride? Don't answer. Think big. Do believers today really want Jesus to return for his bride? Personally, I think a few do, but most would like to fulfill their own agendas. It's not good time, Lord. Just not good time right now. Could you hold it off a week or a month or a year? Could we be seeing a trial run by the future Antichrist? Stick with me here. Don't freak out. Don't space out, but rather... Let's check out some scriptures. How about Revelation 13, 7? Now, I think it's very important. Um, you can write these down or you can look on the slide to get the bigger picture because people are already saying, you know, these are the seals. Uh, we're in the tribulation. No, we're not. No, we're not. If you do a chronological study of Revelation, the book of Revelation, if you do a chronological, another, a time frame study, in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, First three and a half years, half the world's population is annihilated. We're, we're in 2025, they're estimating 8 billion people in 2025. So let's say a, a billion people go in the rapture. If you're not familiar with that term, just go along with me. Say a billion people go in the rapture, that leaves 7 billion people. First three and a half years, three and a half billion people are going to die. So is this one of the plagues? No, no. Just go back to the facts and not the feelings. Just look at the scriptures and keep everything factual. Well, in Revelation 13, 7, we read this. It was granted to him to make war and study the whole chapter to get the context. We don't have time for that this morning. To make war with the saints and to... It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So if you have, if you have authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation, what is that? It's a one-world government. Okay. How about Revelation 13, 12? And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. He does what? He causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship. So what is that? That's a one world religion. Now many Christians don't believe in the book of Revelation. It all took place in 70 AD. 
it's all allegorical now. It's, it's irrelevant now. Most churches will not even touch the book of Revelation because it was accomplished in 70 AD. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. A thousand year of Christ was somewhere. I don't know where it was, but it wasn't on this earth. Then you have Revelation 13, 16, and 17. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. Verse 17. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. What would that be? That would be a one world monetary system. So the Antichrist, Antichrist, not the Christ, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. Well, if he's going to come on the scene, let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I personally believe that Jesus is returning very quickly for his church. Claudia said this morning, wouldn't it be interesting if this virus did sweep the world and the rapture took place, they could easily say, and this is already new age, this new age already has this concept in mind, that there is going to be a mass disappearance of people and what that is, new age, that is God cleansing his dead brain cells. That's new age. They have already theorized that. So it would be perfect for our bodies, and I believe our bodies are going to remain here, it would be fallen perfectly with the delusion that could come upon the earth. Oh, good. God got rid of all those haters, those bigots who are promoting hate. Now we can move on and have the age of Aquarius. How about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2? Let's just look at the facts. Because if Jesus is coming back, guys, big picture. If Jesus is coming back, does that mean when he comes back that the Antichrist is going to be born and grow to be 50 years old in a day? No, the Antichrist most likely is a man, is a Jew, according to the scriptures. He's alive, if, if I'm correct. He's alive. He is already working the political arena to take over because it is going to happen very quickly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to soon be shaken. That word shaken there means to waver, agitate, rock, topple, figuratively to disturb or incite. I have not been to the store this past week, but I've talked to many people who have have, and they said it's absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. In mind or troubled. The word troubled there means frightened. Frightened. Many believers as well as unbelievers are frightened right now. Either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, capital D, which I personally believe is the rapture, will not come unless the falling away come first. So now here's not feelings, here are facts. There is going to be a falling away from biblical truth. That's just a fact. None of us want to see that, but that's just a fact. And the, son of, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God. Where, is the temple, where was the temple of God? Where was it? You could say it. Don't be afraid. Jerusalem. It was on the Temple Mount. Although the Arabs say nothing was ever on the Temple Mount. 
There's a shrine of the Spirit. If you go with us to Israel, we'll go up on the Temple Mount. There was a shrine of the Spirit built by the Arabs, the Muslims, hundreds of years ago. And they say it's the spot where the Holy of Holy was. Even though modern day, the Jews were never up here. There was no ever a temple. They're lying against their own lies. It's, it's just crazy. So again, fact, is there going to be a temple on the Temple Mount? Yes, there is going to be. And this man of sin is going to put up his abomination of desolation in that temple, in the Holy of Holies, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So some people will say, well, you know, that's all modern. That's all modern. What did Paul just say? Almost 2,000 years ago. I was telling you these things. The rapture and the temple on the Temple Mount is not modern. It's 2,000 years old. Prophecy. Now, the temple was still there, so they were probably scratching their heads going, wow, what's he talking about? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Who is the he there? The Antichrist. For the mystery of lawness is already at work. Only he, now you see it's a capital H. That's the Holy Spirit. He who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Again, I'm not going to argue with you with this. I just believe that's the Holy Spirit. If you have a different interpretation, praise God. I'm not going to divide over it. I'm not going to argue about it. I personally believe it's the Holy Spirit. I believe that's the church. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We make up the church. And then the lawless one will be revealed. So we as believers are not to be looking for the Antichrist. It was not JFK. It was not Clinton. It's not going to be Trump. Don't look for the Antichrist. Look for Christ. And as I went in yesterday to pick up a pizza for the guys who are working, I came in, I said to the guy, hey, will a six-pack of toilet paper cover the cost? <laughs> guys, this is an open door for witnessing. It's an open door for witnessing. He was probably 17, 18. He was like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went over to the store. It's crazy over there. I just wanted to get something, a snack, and it's just absolutely crazy over there. And I go, yeah, people are trusting in toilet paper. I'm just going to keep trusting in Jesus. He looked at me and goes, that's a good idea. <laughs> Guys, use this week to plant seeds. Short and sweet while you're standing in line. Other people are going to hear it. They're going to chuckle. Don't, you're not using my toilet paper. I'm keeping my toilet paper. Well, I'll give you a six-pack of toilet paper for three pizzas. Is it a deal? Is it a deal? Come on, let's make a deal. Make light of it because it really is light. I, I'm not making light of people dying. That's not light, but let's get into reality, Okay. And it's an open door for witnessing. Praise God. And then the lawless one. So don't look for the Antichrist. Look for Jesus, whom the Lord will consume. Notice this. Is it going to be a big battle, Armageddon? Is Jesus going to have to come with us and we're all going to have swords on our sides and we're all going to get off our horses and we're going to fight against the Antichrist and against all the armies of this earth? Is that what's going to happen? Feelings say, yes, oh yes, that's it. What does the Bible say? Whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Wow, what a battle. Jesus shows up and says, that's all. Satan's done. That's it. It's done. Stay with the facts of the word, guys. Stay with the facts of the word. The coming of the lawless one be according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception. Deception. Separate, isolate. Separate, isolate. 
among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see, guys, we have the love of the truth. Invite unbelievers to church. Oh, we shouldn't gather. I might get sick. As I mentioned last week, if you're new or visiting, 39,000 people died last year on American highways. Just remind them of that simple fact. Come to church with me. Come to church. You're not going to die. You might die of a car accident, but you're not going to die from the church. Invite them. They're afraid. They are afraid. They're panic buying. We have the truth. Let's bring the truth to them and let's invite them in so they can hear more truth. Not all the lies that are being propagated out there and the false feelings. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. My toilet paper will save me. I think that's a pretty strong delusion. That they should believe the lie. If you just stockpile, if you accept homosexual marriage, if you accept living together, if you accept medicinal marijuana, if you accept the government to take care of you, everything will be A-OK. A senator suggested this morning that we just need to flood America with cash. That every person should get a check. It's just like, Oh my goodness. She obviously didn't take economics. That they should believe the lie that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, if Jesus is coming back soon, that means the Antichrist is alive. In my mind, maybe not in yours, but I'm just sharing with you. Now, we're not to search for the Antichrist, as I've already mentioned, but rather look up to Jesus, who is the Christ. And again, I just wanted to share this with you so that we keep looking up. I'm not going to rule out the possibility that this could be a trial run by the Antichrist because Jesus is coming back at any moment, at any moment. So let's see how we can prepare for his return in Acts chapter 14. God is good, guys. Look up, look up, because there is going to be, there is going to be a one world government, a one world religion, and a one world financial system whether America likes it or not. So just get used to the idea, plan accordingly, and let's plant seeds. Acts chapter 14, let's pick it up in verse 19. Then the Jews at Antioch and Iconium came there. And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. You see, last week, we left off with Paul and Barnabas becoming more, like, more than heroes in the city of Lystra. Matter of fact, the citizens of Lystra proclaimed that the gods, Jupiter and Mercury, had come down to them in the likeness of Paul and Barnabas. And those of Lystra wanted to perform sacrificial offerings in order to honor these gods which Paul and Barnabas barely talked them out of doing. They convinced these pagans, these Gentiles, that they were men of like passions or desires. And they did a really good job because this morning we see just how quickly the people of Lystra changed. Paul and Barnabas went from being adored as immortal gods, Mercury and Jupiter, to being hated as mere mortal men. And guys, I really see this with the church. If you really think objectively, the church in America, just like the church in Europe, which is now extinct pretty much, 
the church in America is going extinct. We're not relevant. We don't, we don't add to society. We're archaic. We're bigots. We're hateful people. Blah, 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 blah. Very interesting how Christianity has not elevated pastors who serve Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years. They're not, they're not respected. They're just treated like garbage because of the word of God. Feelings are overruling facts. And so this is, we got to relate this even to ourselves today because this is happening even today. You see, remember in Antioch that Paul and Barnabas were used by God to reach many for Jesus. The unbelieving Jews became jealous and they stirred up trouble by accusing Paul of twisting the scriptures for their own profit. On that post that we put out there that I already took down, somebody accused me of just wanting ties. You're only having church because you want ties. Give me a break. But that's what's out there. Is that respecting the church? As I put something out there to honor and respect all of you and just to give what's reality, and then I get turned around and I'm the bad guy and I'm trying to just get ties from people. Total disrespect. Here I am trying to respect you and respect other people and put out the facts, but I'm the one that's being disrespected. But that's just life. That's just the way it is. So I'm not worried about it. We just got to keep moving on in the scriptures. Paul and Barnabas therefore removed themselves from Antioch and went to Iconium. Again, the Holy Spirit did a wonderful work and many came to the saving knowledge of Jesus in Iconium. But once again, the unbelieving Jews came and stirred up trouble. This time, they even tried character assassination. But they didn't stop there. They were actually planning on stoning them to death. So Paul and Barnabas left Iconium and went to Lystra. Here we see that the unbelieving Jews from both of those previous cities went to hunt Paul down. They brought their assassination plans with them to a city that wasn't familiar with the scriptures. They were pagans. They were heathens. But they incited the crowd and completed their plan, stoning Paul and dragging him out of the city. They literally stoned him to death. And I find it interesting that certain people will hunt down those who have a desire to do good to cause them problems. It has probably happened in your own workplace. It might have even happened to you with family members. If not, just keep being faithful to the teaching of Jesus. You'll find out really quick who are your friends and who your enemies are. But it appears that Paul wasn't concerned about being hated, but had a deep desire to teach others about Jesus being the Savior of mankind. You see, he was more concerned about men's souls than about his own life. And I, from what I understand, people are fighting in stores over food and toilet paper. This ought not to be, but it's the base nature. Oh, I'm a good person. Are you really? You're fighting over a can of beans? No, you're not a good person. You're a sinner who needs a savior. So it's a great opportunity for you and I to evangelize. Bottom line, be careful who you try to please. One moment the world will love you, and the next moment you'll become the world's object of criticism, sarcasm, or blame. Now see, I I wrote all this down. I had my study done before what happened on Facebook, just so you know. I didn't formulate all this from Facebook because we just did the Facebook thing yesterday. I had this all done. It It just ties in. It's just the way it is. You see, it happened to Paul, and it, came, and it can happen to any one of us here. You see, just a few days ago, Paul was their God, the object of their honor. Now he is good for nothing and the object of their hatred. Very interesting. So they stoned Paul, dragged him out of the city, leaving him for dead. 
And this was probably pretty traumatic. Could you imagine being a new believer? (laughs) And definitely not a way to attract new disciples to the cause. But God isn't done with Paul. Matter of fact, he's just starting the shaping process. He's just starting the shaping process. Very, very important. Verse 20, however, when the disciples gathered around him, most likely weeping, mourning, but also praying, he rose up. And what did he do? Yeah, that wasn't that bad. Okay, let's go back. He went back into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You see, this stoning that took place here is probably the time that Paul was talking about when he referenced in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that he was caught up to the third heaven. Now again, let's, let's make a point of this because the Mormons have their own teaching of the third heaven. So again, if you're new or visiting, we don't bash Mormons. We just talk truth. Okay, the third heaven for Mormons are for you and I. Fine, we believe, but we're not good enough. So God will visit us every now and then. The second heaven, God visits more often. The first heaven, you're with God and you're going to get your own planet. And you're going to be able to go out and repopulate that planet. Those are the three heavens of Mormonism, roughly. In the Bible, if you read Genesis, the first heaven is everything within our atmosphere. The ozone layer, everything within that is the first heaven, according to Genesis in creation. Everything outside that is the second heaven, and the third heaven is the new Jerusalem, heaven itself. Heaven is not, you know, a lot of people think that heaven's real mystical. You know, it's somewhere out there. It's, we really don't know what it's like. Well, they haven't read the book of Revelation because the book of Revelation gives us the exact measurements of heaven. Now, we don't know a whole lot about it, but we do know roughly heaven is 1,500 miles square, 1,500 miles square, and 1,500 miles tall. We know that from the book of Revelation. So it's not like, ooh, where is it? It's a building, foundation stones, street of gold. That's not allegorical. That's real, guys. And so let's read what happened to Paul. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know. So he's talking about himself. And he was dead. And so whether I went in my physical body to heaven, I don't know. So I'm just saying, I I don't know. I don't know whether my physical body went or not. We know because his physical body was here, observed by those around him. But he's reiterating, he's, he's sharing what took place. God knows such a one was caught up to the what? Don't be afraid to say it. Third heaven. That's why it's important that you know the scriptures because the Mormons will knock on your door. We got three heavens. No, you don't. There's one heaven. Ours, second heaven is everything out ours. Third heaven, heaven itself, the new Jerusalem. It's that basic. Correct them on their theology because they're wrong. It's just the Bible is correct. So, of such a one I will boast. Yet myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. Notice what he's boasting about. My infirmities. What, what infirmities? Well, most likely from that death and being stoned, he most likely had an eye ailment. 
in Galatians, he says to the church in Galatia, the members of the church, you, you loved me so much you would have pulled out your own eyes and given them to me. Not literally, obviously, but he's just expressing that love. In one of his own letters, he writes, I write this letter in my own large handwriting. When he stands before the council in Acts, he didn't know who the high priest was. Um, I kind of think of it as cataracts. He could see, and I haven't had cataracts, so I can't really explain it wholeheartedly, but it's, I guess it's filmy and shadowy and shades, and you really can't make things out if it gets to a certain degree. So he knew that he was in the Sanhedrin. He knew that there were officials, Pharisees and Sadducees, because he used to be a Pharisee. So he knew what was going on. And when he spoke out against the high priest, he was rebuked and he apologized. He said, oh, I'm sorry. The scriptures say we should not rebuke the high priest. I apologize. I didn't know he was the high priest. How could he not know? This guy was a Pharisee. He knew what was going on. Most likely because he couldn't see. I mean, two and two is four. So, because of my infirmities, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure." Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Did you notice that? He didn't just lightly say, you know, I I pray. I threw up a prayer. I threw up a prayer. God, you know, heal me if you would, would you? And then went about his bit. No, he says what? I pleaded. I pleaded with the Lord. Maybe you have an illness. Maybe something's going on in your life. And you're saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? And you're pleading with the Lord to to stop it, to to get it away from me. I don't want this. I don't like this. I don't need this. This is not good for me. I don't got time for this. That's what Paul was saying. He He was pleading. Pleading. Not once, not twice, but three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, Now, whether that's the Holy Spirit, Jesus, or the Father, we can't say for certain, but we know it was the triunity. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Interesting. You see, even in the midst of what's going on in America in this world, it's like being in an earthquake. You have no control. Oh, but if I just get... A roll of toilet paper. I'll have control. Remember I mentioned that last week? And there's stories out this week from psychologists, PhDs. Why this is happening? Because when people have something, they feel like they have control. Unfortunately, what they don't realize is diarrhea is not part of the symptoms of the coronavirus. (laughs) So they're going to have toilet paper for a long time. I'm using it for napkins as they go on. So, but that's the whole idea, right? Oh, now I have some control. Really? You think you do? You have no control. I read an article uh, yesterday about a gal in the tornado uh, recently in Nashville. Uh, The house was tore apart, and her two-year-old son, she didn't know where he was. Thank God he survived. He was in another part of the house. The whole house scraped off the foundation, and they both survived. Miracle. She had no control. We have no control. Buy all the toilet paper you want. 
He's in control. And if the Antichrist is alive, and this is a precursor, he's just running a trial balloon, don't fight it. Glory in it. That just means Jesus is that much closer. And start witnessing. Because we're not going to witness in heaven. There's no ministry in heaven. It's all done. So the only time we have ministry is on this side of heaven. So God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, Paul says, I'll rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Is this guy sadistic or what? I take pleasure, those three words, it means to think well of. To think well of. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Notice that, for Christ's sake. Not for being irresponsible, but just for Christ's sake, living the word of God, being factual. As I do that, I am going to be reproached. Why? Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Guys, that's a, that, if, if you're new to the faith, grab a hold of that right here, right now. If you're old of the faith and you have not figured this out yet, you better grab a hold of it. Because you do not have control. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much smarts you have, if the Antichrist is on the scene and it's coming down, you have no control. Hang on and start witnessing. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I realize that I have no control, when I realize that it's all about God and God's plans, then I'm strong. Because now I'm not trusting in me anymore. I'm trusting in him. And God will take care of me. God will take care of me. Was he off balance a little bit? I don't think so. You see, it was when Paul was going through these various trials that he found himself hanging on tighter to Jesus, clinging to his Savior, guys. That's for you and me today. I think that the Heavenly Father gave Paul a glimpse of heaven because this was just the beginning of Paul's trials and tribulations at the hands of hateful men. You see, Paul was going to have things done to him that would have caused the average believer, especially today, to quit and go home. And if you want a full list, we won't take the time to read it, but I encourage you to to take a picture of that, write it down, and look at true Christianity. 2 Corinthians 11 there. So I personally believe that God gave Paul a little glimpse of what was awaiting him on the other side of this life. It would give Paul that endurance and also the desire to stay focused on the calling of Jesus and not the praise or attacks of others. And guys, that's applicable to you and me. I haven't been to heaven, but I've been in the word and I know what's awaiting me. So toilet paper or no toilet paper, I'm having a good day. Because we ask from the body to be present with the Lord. There's a brother who's going to most likely graduate this today or tomorrow. Not a part of our fellowship, but we've been asked to visit with him or visiting with him. And I'm encouraging him. You're getting your brand new body. Man, I wish I could change spots with you. And we read the scriptures. Do you realize when you take your last breath, when you take your last breath on this earth, you're not going to miss anything. You're going to take your first breath in heaven. That has an impact on somebody who's dying. We think about it in our lives. No, this guy's dying. There's no out. But his eyes got a twinkle and a smile came on his face. 
Because guys, that's the living hope that you and I have. That is the living hope that we have. To be absent from this body, to be present with the Lord. Whether it's a car accident, cancer, a flu, whatever it is, nobody's getting out of here alive. Ten out of ten of us die. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you excited about it? You know, it's a good biblical principle for us all to apply. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. Because again, we need to have endurance as we go through these trials. We need to have endurance as believers. We need to continue to gather. I personally, I'll, I'll not blame anybody or condemn anybody. Whatever church does, what they do, that's, that's their priority or, or privilege. I just personally don't believe in disbanding. I think we need to be here as much as possible. It's very interesting. Again, if this is a trial balloon, let's get everybody to doing things online. Do things online. Separate, isolate, do things online. And then what happens? Let's just flip the switch. Oh, you were watching that? Oh, you're one of those people. And you try to, you just, you reboot your, your computer. You just, what's wrong? What's wrong? I gotta call my internet provider. No, they just locked you out. They just locked you out of what you thought was your church. Your church is the body of Christ, not that little tube. The church is the body of Christ. Be wise. Again, I always go back to be wise, and this is not a faith issue. To me, it's just my heart. We need to continue to gather. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Therefore we do not lose hearts, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Look in the mirror, mirror, you guys. You're perishing. You're not looking like you're 25 anymore, unless you're under 25. For our light, notice this, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding, exceeding an eternal weight of glory. You guys notice that? As Paul is inspired to write this through the Holy Spirit, our light afflictions, again, read this week, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Shipwrecked, stoned, beaten. Light affliction, Paul? That was light. I'm going to heaven. And he's been there almost 2,000 years. Do you think he cares about those things he went through? Not even thinking about it. Not, a, not even a thought. His hard drive has been purged. He's glorifying the Father. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for, our, for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen. And in context, this is what Paul's writing about. This body, your body, this is what we see. We got a brand new body waiting for us, 2 Corinthians 5.1. A brand new body waiting for us. But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary. Go ahead and look at your hand. Feel free. Look at your hand. You see that hand right there? I was looking at my hand this morning. Not for the study. I was just looking at it. I go, man, I'm getting old. <laughs> look at my skin. And then our little grandson this past week comes up and goes, Papa, do this with your hand. I did that with my hand. He goes, you see all those wrinkles, Papa? You're old. <laughs> I go, thank you very much. You do it. And he does it, and he doesn't have any of those. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess you're right. I'm old. <laughs> Stinking little kids. Thank you for that. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Chapter, uh, verse, let's, let's go into chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly designed to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. 
So I personally believe that as soon as we take our last breath, we take our first breath in heaven, we automatically have our body. Because if we didn't have our body, if we were just a spirit floating in space, then think big picture, then we'd be naked because we have to be clothed with our body. Not physically naked like we think of clothes. But in the theology of it all, if my spirit's floating out there without a body, then, the, then I, it's naked. But Paul says, well, go back to verse 1, and let's just change the words, as a rabbi would do, using physical analogies. Let's change the word to one word, body, because that's what's being referenced here. For we know that if our earthly body, this body, is destroyed, we have a body from God, a body not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When I shared this with Caesar, he's like, yes. When you're racked with cancer and you know you're going to die and you're even having a hard time breathing right now, it's a tremendous relief. There's no fear. And, and it's almost like the pain becomes a little bit alleviated because like, yes, I've got a brand new body designed by God not the one designed by God via my dad and mom and they died and grandparents died and great parents, blah, 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 blah. They all died. No, no. There's a body, guys. Let's read it again. For we know that if our earthly body, this body is destroyed, we have a body from God, a body not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our body, which is from heaven. If indeed haven't been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Praise God, guys. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 10. Now, I'm not saying that it's always easy to go through trials and tribulations. Listen to what Paul says earlier on in this letter. 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 10. For we do not want you to be ignorant, and the word ignorant there means just unknowing, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Notice that. Paul had emotions. Barnabas. The early disciples had emotions. And Paul says here, so that we despaired even of life. The, the, that word there means to be utterly at a loss. That word despaired. Because sometimes we lift up the saints and they're super saints. They had, they had no emotions. They had emotions, guys. Paul wrote it down for you and I to see. That we even despaired of life. And when you read what he went through, you can understand why. He was shipwrecked. He was a day and night in the deep. He despair. We can despair. That's why we got to stay focused. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Again, notice that. But in God who raises the dead. What's he talking about there? The resurrection. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I don't know how I'm going to die, but I'm going to die. So I'm not going to trust in my ways. I'm going to trust in God because he's going to raise me from the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Let's look at the verses. Uh, nope, I can do that. I'm going to say this. I think that we can see that this stoning experience before us this morning is going to be an intimate and intricate part of Paul's faith. We'll just leave that up there. You see, if you were one of the disciples standing over Paul, you would have thought differently. You would have thought, it's over, he's dead. What are we going to do? And let's make it even more per personal. Has this happened to you? Have you ever been through something that makes you feel like you've just been stoned to death? Life is over. Maybe it hasn't happened to you yet, but it probably will sooner or later. 
Put this moment in time in your memory bank for that later recall. You see, Paul's been there and came through trusting more in the love of God. God is not done with Paul and he's not done with you and me. Not if we don't want him to be. You see, if you and I allow the trials of this life to get us to look somewhere else besides God, then we will be done. It is very hard for God to use someone who has stepped out of the race. We're still on the team, but we're no longer running the race. You see, Paul didn't want to be put out of the race, so he committed himself even more to Jesus that day. He had a glimpse of heaven and was waiting for him there. And we'll wrap it up on this. So he allowed the distresses or distractions to become an opportunity for growth and not an opportunity for complaining. Very important for you and I today. How can we use what's happening in our lives as an opportunity for growth? Complaining comes totally natural, even for me. It comes totally natural. But how can we use it as an opportunity for growth? You know what? I'm going to use this to witness. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me boldness because I'm afraid to witness. You got a platform now. Don't be afraid. You can talk to anybody. Are you panic buying? Just ask them. Are you panic buying? Yes, aren't you? No, nah, not really. Guys, I've been down Claudia this for, for the last week. In two weeks from now, there's going to be toilet paper plentiful. People are going to, you can only buy so much toilet paper. I mean, that stuff, where do you store it all? It's going to get to that point. And I said, so we'll just wait two weeks. We got enough for two weeks. Don't sweat it. You know, if we have to use napkins, whatever. We're not going to panic, right? It's just common sense. The shelves will get refilled just like after tornadoes or hurricanes. Life gets somewhat back to normal. There's a lot of stress, a lot of pain. But that's a part of our growth. That's a part of what can I do with this, God? Complain or grow? And secondly, he made it an opportunity for drawing closer to God. And this is so key because I see this happening in Christianity. And don't, don't take this as any inference as that people that are not here this morning. I'm not inferring that in the least. I'm talking big picture, people leaving Christianity altogether. They're turning their back on God. You want to throw up that second one, Jim? He made an opportunity for drawing closer to God and not turning his back on God. So again, don't infer that at all with what's going on right now today. No, 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 no. It's had nothing to do with people staying home. Praise God. You pray. If you're sick, don't come to church, please. Don't share with the brethren. That's not turning your back on God. I'm talking big picture people that are not in their Bible and are running around afraid. God, where are you? He's on his throne, guys. And if Jesus is coming back in the next couple weeks or couple months, what does that mean? The Antichrist is alive. And there is going to be, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say it again. There is going to be a one world government, a one world religion, and a one economic system, whether we like it or not. Because God's word says so. And that's exciting, praise God. Because that means Jesus is at the doorstep. Father, we thank you and praise you. And I'm excited, Lord. I'm excited about what you're doing. Because nothing's wasted in your kingdom. It's an opportunity for witnessing. It's an opportunity to bring peace to people who have no peace. It's an opportunity to bring comfort into the lives of those who are very anxious who are really sweating it out. What's going to happen next? Father, we do pray 
for the situation. And we intercede as Daniel interceded. And the angel came to Daniel and said, I tried to come 21 days ago, but you were interceding and you you were helping in the process, Daniel. So Father, we intercede in the gap for the spiritual forces that are taking place right now. Could this possibly be a global economic collapse to bring everyone in line, to bring America down, that you might be elevated and save Israel? For no one will stand with Israel when Russia attacks. We don't know, but your word says it's going to happen. So if this is the day and this is the age, we praise you. We're not going to trust in ourselves. We're going to trust in you. We're going to trust in your word. And we're going to praise you. And we're going to be available this week to witness for you, to not get caught up in the complaining, to not get caught up in the fear, the anxiety, the worry, to not get caught up in any of that, but to praise your holy name. Father, I thank you for the church that we can still freely gather. We have no idea how long this is going to last. So Lord, I, I thank you for allowing us to gather. Again, give us wisdom. If, if we are not feeling well, just give us wisdom to stay home and to worship you at home. But also, Lord, give us strength and faith to press through, to gather as much as possible, to intercede. Again, as I've already prayed, to intercede in that spiritual gap. There is there's something that we really don't see or understand, but there's spiritual warfare and our prayers have an effect. Help us just be in the gap during the week that you will be glorified. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's stand, guys. It's plan on getting over the, a lot more verses, but oh well. Uh, Rachel, Rachel, I, I said everybody stand. I was going to have you stand first. Sorry about that. Chris and Rachel. So why don't you guys raise your hands real quick. Raise your hands. So those hands over there belong to Chris and Rachel. <laughs> Afterwards, find those hands. But they're going to do a Good Friday uh, service that they did last year, but it's changed up a little bit. And so they're looking for some people that would like to participate in that. In other words, they're looking for people that would like to be actors and would like to have roles. So after the service, if you'd like to participate in that, please see uh, Chris and Rachel in the lobby and they'll let you know what's going on. But we are going to have a Good Friday service. And uh, just like last year, it was wonderful. Praise God. If anybody needs prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray for you and we will lay hands on you, not just our knuckles. We will anoint you with oil. And uh, stay focused, guys. Stay focused. God has a plan. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.